Peter Dinklage, Warwick Davis, Vern Troyer, Martin Kleba, Brad Williams, Gary Coleman, all well-known actors that are little people who could have been cast as Rolf in this film. Instead, we got Gary Oldman on his knees with horribly offensive prosthetics. Uh, this film seemingly has its heart in the right place, but it is an absolute mess that causes so much more harm than good. Starring, unbelievably, Gary Oldman, Matthew McConaughey, Patricia Arquette, Kate Beckinsale, Peter Dinklage, and, oh, and Max, I don't know if you know this, but Andy Kaufman's brother, Jer, was in this movie as one of the little people. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jer Kaufman uh, was in this. And that's not even to mention Doug Cockle as Goosh. This movie dares to ask the question, how's the weather up there? This is Tiptoes. This movie's horny as shit. <laughs> Their assholes are always out. It's Ooh. insane. Airtight. Awesome. I'm psychic in many ways. That guy's had like three sandwiches this week. Let's fucking kill him. <laughs> that was, in a word, insane. Alright! Woo, 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 woo! Oy. Woo, that was good, Clayton. That was Thank a really you. solid one. Thank From top you. to bottom, the Jer Kaufman. <laughs> oh, I get it now. Yeah. No. Um, that was really good. I fell for that like crazy. Oh, yeah. That kind of shit is like freaking me out so much. It reminds me of the one podcaster who got possessed by an owl. Who's that? You. <laughs> oh, you man. should say who. Who? Bingo. 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 Um, I'm eating a pop. T- I mean, I'm eating a pop tart. Oh no, I'm not. A pop tart. No, I'm, I'm done. I only have the dry bits at the end. Mm-hmm. You know the little. Do you eat those parts of the pop tart? On a pop tart, I actually, I this is my personal philosophy with kind of all foods. I do this with sandwiches too. Um, I eat the edges first. Um, I start with the kind of undesirables. Of the sandwich makes it good in the end, um, and I do the same with pop tarts. I start. Is that true? With the yeah, I start I've never with the edges of the pop tart, wow. and then well, I don't. How have you watched me eat many a pop tart? No, I guess I just trust you. I don't need to, to look, you know. <laughs> but I didn't know there was such deviancy right under my. Sorry, my eyelid will not. My eyelid has been closing. Uh-huh. And then when it when I when I blink, you know, close when I blink, you know, common thing. Uh-huh. And when I open it again, it like is sticking to the because if you notice, since I used glitter in that look I did today, uh-huh. the I guess the specific glitter and whatever adhesive I use, it like sticks to my face well. So if which is good if I wanted to stay on for eight hours or whatever, but mm. it just leaves it being so crazy yeah because yeah. have you talked about this on the podcast yet? i have not um, um people yes, are listening what were you doing probably probably know this by now but uh-huh. i have been exploring my uh my drag side of things i will be doing more um just drag with comedy and stuff it's just really fun really fucking cool uh i really like it i used to think um it was not something i wanted to do but then my definition of what drag even is was expanded in my mind um by seeing live drag here in austin and so i'm just like you know what why can't i go into that frontier with my own comedy and my own art and uh it's great pays off so well i do such little work and people will dm me saying i look great and it's like Man, I one time got a DM, uh, someone slid into my DMs 
unrelated. They were just like, hey, DTF, you down to fuck. You know, want to hang out right now? Uh-huh. And I sent them a photo of myself in not that specific face, not the one that uh, I, I posted where my whole face was white with big eyes and like cow spots and stuff. Uh-huh. But it was me doing um, a masculine drag male face, basically almost completely like co- super contoured to where I looked like insane, like mm-hmm. like dark orange on my cheeks and my hair and ever in my forehead and shit and i was i just sent him that photo to be like no mm-hmm. i can't fuck right now I, I'm, I look like this uh-huh. and then he was like so is that a yes or a no and i was like no i'm wearing this makeup and he was like i'll fuck you as is and i was like okay like thank you but no i don't <laughs> i you know if if that's your judge that's great but like uh-huh. i am not gonna get fucked in all that makeup it's so much yeah it's so much and yeah uh, also that guy Dick smell bad. Damn. Wash your penis. Guys, folks at home, anybody with a penis, wash your penis. Guys, wash it up. Um pump Max, the jam. Have you had any have you had any dreams? Uh yeah, speaking of drag, I had a dream that I had this great number planned and uh-huh. then I got to a venue um that I was going to do the number at and um two other people like right before me a la like battle of the bands kind of thing didn't like in this universe didn't steal my idea, but had like Uh the same idea, but like in a different color coat or something. Uh And I would be going like fifth and they were going like first and third or something. And I was like, I woke up like so nervous. I was like, I have to do this number now or else people are going to steal it. Uh And um, yeah, I don't remember what the number, I don't remember anything about it, but I remember that just that, that Mm -hmm. fear, you know, that's like a common trope in like, TV like they're doing our song or like they stole our song. Yeah. That I think it's like a thing I'm actually really afraid of <laughs> because I've seen so much TV and movies and like there's like a Muppet movie where they do that. <laughs> and there's just so many things. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've thought about it as somebody who like does comedy because I've had it before. Right. Jokes, where like maybe. where like we've been sitting as like comics at a table and I've yeah. I've told somebody a joke and then I've seen them do it on stage like that yes. night um and then i I'm think also... i know there's like a specific event i think i know you're talking about yeah i don't remember the joke but i know the person uh-huh um who nothing against that person um yeah i don't think if we're I think they're the same person uh, no i yeah no yeah i also want to say his name's so bad but like i i don't even know if it's really him also i don't think it would do anything also it's not uh-huh. even, it's supposed to be a call out like it's yeah. literally also yeah. i think he would be fine with it. it was the person we're thinking of yeah um gabe gabe cortez <laughs> Took my joke on accident three years ago. Um, yeah, truly <laughs> at so a, long at an ago. open mic when we were twenty years mic. old. Um, and then somebody else who I will not say the name of has one time come and pitched. They've come up to me and a friend of mine yes. and been like, "I have this joke I want to run by you," yes. and then said a joke that I've been doing on stage <laughs> since like the beginning of my stand-up career, like. Um, enough that this person had surely seen. There's this no joke way that like they had. Yeah, this is like your debut. Uh-huh. It'd be like if I come up to you and I was like my washing machine. But... Oh, oh, oh my <laughs> like, god! I literally, I'm sorry. I, okay, okay. Make any sense to anybody? Okay, listening. audience, buckle up. Clayton. Okay, so, so uh, where do I start? So last Friday, D and D, Hayden is trying to do the laundry. Mm. Washing machine doesn't work. We still haven't got it repaired. It's been a week. Don't ask how we smell, baby. Oh, we need to wash my shirt. 
for work. It's fine. I, bought, um, I had to buy a new work shirt today. It was very. It, just, it did not feel good. <laughs> Wait, this is affecting our like bank account. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I literally realized it was still broken down. I dunked my shirt in like water in the sink, uh-huh. and then I just went to work with not my work shirt on because it was just drying in my car. Uh-huh. And I just made excuses to it. It was really pathetic, and I mm. was like, I have a college degree, <laughs> um, but. But so, so, washing machine's broken. Classic. Classic. Clayton, why don't you go ahead and do your stand-up joke that you open with often? Yes. So, uh, (laughs) an opener that I would use a lot. Clayton Chalman, everybody. Uh, I feel like this sets up, like, who I am as a comedian a lot, is I would go up... I would say, how's everybody doing tonight? And everybody would like thunderous applause. Like, yeah, yeah. Screaming, clapping. Screaming, like, clapping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, glad you're doing good. I'm doing okay. My, <laughs> which is, that's exactly what you wanted to say to start off. Instead of saying, I'm doing okay. Immediate buzzkill. So, yeah. Um, I'm doing okay. My washing machine broke. Uh, guess I have to jerk off with my hands now. Um, and then Max went Bingo. to mention that joke, uh, as it is kind of synonymous with me doing stand up, and pointed to our broken, broken washing machine. machine. And I've been, and I've, I've been, and I noticed my hands. Your hands are sore. You're fine with something. Yeah, I'm, right in, you're I'm in two, popping your I'm knuckles. I'm in a wrist splint right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, man. But Ew. yeah, it was, it pitched my joke to me. That was very funny. Do you think in Dear Evan Hansen, like, what if it was a real that instead of like falling from a tree or whatever, he jerked off too hard? He jerked off too hard. <laughs> I think that'd be good. Suicide by jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that would be really sad. I think that. Would yeah, be that'd really be really touching. depressing. Also, I have a new, I have a new fucking uh, fidget. Ooh, yes, I've noticed you've got, my, uh, you've a got fan, a fan. Six bucks on Amazon, and you can tell. But from far away, it's just shiny. From so, far away, it looks actually looks kind of nice. fancy. It kind yeah. of looks the opposite of six bucks. Yeah. So like um, nine bucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. And uh, comedy like that is what you can expect. Comedy like that. Um, so I did, I know we're kind of getting into the podcast here, but yeah. I oh, have yeah. uh, a dream to drop off here. This one is kind of a weird one. I'm so, um, so excited. Sorry. So after my colonoscopy, which we're not going to get too far into that. I had another colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Talked about it on the podcast before. I'm getting colonoscopies like nobody's business. Um, after my colonoscopy, Everyone I had wants a to be in ton your of... On this one, they sedated me with propothal, uh, which nice. is a sedative. They had to use a lot of it again because I kept waking up. Um, the, and so when I, I was just the drowsy and felt drunk all day. Fatang. Um, but as soon as I got home, I went straight to sleep, like took a nap mm-hmm. uh, and I was asleep for five hours and I had a very God. vivid dream. Okay. Um, the setting, it was very weird and kind of vivid. It was like a city block, but it was on like a sky Island. Mm. Um, but it was still like a city. Like it was just like, that's right. just like how things were here. Yeah. Um, and I had just in the in the context of the dream, I had just woken up after mm-hmm. like being blackout drunk and partying, oh. uh, and I just knew, I I think just through like texting, like checking my phone and like seeing videos and like missed texts, I had somehow upset Ellis, my my boyfriend. Oh yeah. Um, and so I was like trying to make it right. I was like freaking out. They weren't responding to me. And so part of it was I was there with Jill and Ben. Um, okay. And uh, eclectic group. 
Yes, and uh, th- that that group, me, Joe Ben, we would get into some trouble. That sounds like that. something you would end up on a skyblock, um, yeah. And so part of it, I don't exactly remember the situation here, but to get like evidence that I had not like cheated on them or done like right. whatever, we had to break into a museum. <laughs> um, this is great. Yes. This is, so we, yeah. we had to break into a museum. We were doing that. That was something that happened. The dream... Most of that, there was like some museum shenanigans. We were like avoiding security. Yeah. I was like worried about Scooby getting in Doo, trouble. Running back and forth. Yeah. Yes. Um, it was a very, I have like a very vivid, like several very vivid images of this museum. Yeah. Where it was like, there were like, it was like, I think it was like a mostly a natural history museum. I was thinking natural history with this. Um, yeah. Because there, I know there like were like li- some biome living exhibits. Living creatures, biomes. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Um, well, I I know exactly what that means, but well, but okay. There's a lot to interpret, okay. and, and it's gonna. I, yeah. I, I bet it's gonna twist. Yeah. So that went on for a little bit, and then after that was done, I was just like so upset by the Ellis thing, and then I started thinking about it, and I was like, I would never do you would that. never. You would so like, never what's do happening that. right now? And I realized that I was dreaming, um, but. I was like so you, is, like, like you Clayton like I, yes I was there and I was like okay, okay I'm dreaming that's what's happening right now okay um, that's crazy has that ever so happened to you before I've had lucid dreams before a lot of times I just wake straight up yeah but what was notable here and I don't know if this was because I was on sedative I could not wake myself up um, so lethargic you're so tired yes. sedative. yeah and so I like Sedated. I was like I was like okay I'm a dreaming I need to wake up and I, I like jumped and I started flailing around and I was like screaming and I was like trying to wake myself up. And Ben, who Jill was not there anymore, but Ben was like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to wake myself up. Well said. This is a dream. Yeah. And then Ben was like, this is my dream. And I was like, oh, what? And Ben was like, yeah, I think you're in my dream right now. And I was like, oh, my God. And I started to convince myself Chills. that I was Chills. a figment of his imagination. And so then Ben and I, we were like, well, we both either, either need to wake up or we don't exist. So we're going to jump off the island together. Wow. Um, and we went and we jumped the two of us together. And it was like like the fall like didn't really exist to me beforehand. As soon as I jumped off, though, uh-huh. it became like... I felt like the sensation and like the of like, sights yeah. and everything. I was seeing like a like long fall. Do I you fell. have free will in this? Like, art? did you choose to jump off? Do yes. You, okay. I, I choose to jump off. Wow. That's yeah. the decision I made. Cause I'm just like, I'm in a dream. Let's jump. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump. Um, okay. And so I That's hit the crazy. ground and I do wake up and I wake up in a dream still, which has never happened to me before. I thought it only happened in movies. Because it was just like that it was like a five more seconds of dream crazy. where I wake up in my bed and I check the phone and it was a text from Ella saying that we were breaking up. Um, I'm literally gonna cry. Wow! And then I snapped to real life awake, but it does not end there, Max. This this is because insane. at Fallout Theater the next day, <laughs> Jill approaches me and says, Clayton. Last night, <gasps> I had a dream no, about you. No, 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 no. This is real life. We really this performed real. at Fallout on Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. Jill approaches me and said, I had a dream about you. And I'm like, okay, that's fascinating. I had a dream about you last night. And she's like, okay, we were at a party um, and you, were, you got really drunk. You were so drunk. 
and you took me to this room. No, and you shut the door and locked it. Way. And this is all before I had not explained anything in my dream. Day. Yeah, you took me to this room and you closed the door and locked it. Um, no fucking and way. And it was like she was describing it as like this liminal space where like the TV was on like kind of quiet and she was like trapped in this room with me and she could hear this party and I was like wasted and I was really sad and I told her I need to break up with Ellis. I I just need to break up with Ellis and Joe was like why? Why do you need to break up with Ellis? And I said and and this was the moment where this? my like balls clenched up Give what I said to her was I lost them in the museum. And apparently, it's that's, kind of that's ridiculous. Fucking what happened? That's fucking insane. That <laughs> is <laughs> insane. That's cr- I'm I'm seriously at a yeah. loss for words. It's so like all I, of the I, details. Literal chills down my back. Like literally, like uh-huh. I, flames, flames. I have chills right now talking to yeah. about it. Um, but it was <sighs> funny in the when in her dream it was that I had lost Ellis in a museum and. <laughs> Was having such difficulty finding them that I was I like, we can't consider ourselves in a relationship anymore. <laughs> um, which is a very funny premise. Oh, oh um, my God. And so I had been putting it off for a while because I was honestly kind of creeped out. That's but Jill was so telling me scary. that I needed to ask you were, Ben. You were walking around this whole week going through this with this in your mind. I didn't even know. Yeah. Check in on your friends, people. Um, it, I mean, it wasn't really bothered. I just thought it was kind of crazy. Yeah. But I did text Ben. Right. And asked if he had any similar dreams. And he said no. If he remembered any similar dreams. Exactly. That's kind of like what I thought. Yeah. I kind of wish I texted him as soon as I woke up. Right. Yeah. Um, That's fucking insane. That is fucking... Is that where it ends? That's where the that, saga ends? That is where the saga ends. That's fucking insane. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Uh-huh. Also, <laughs> because... Wow. Obviously, I feel very confident in this, but there are people listening to this podcast who knows me. Uh, this is not any signifiers of any issues in me and Alice's relationship. <laughs> sure, we're doing very well. Yeah, um, I promise. Let's just say Clayton's wrist cast is not from him jacking off. <laughs> um, um. So yeah, I don't know if you want to interpret that at all, or if there's anything you wanted to add to that. <sighs> well, I was going to say the you having to go look and find things going to the museum is the museum represents, you know, your head, mm-hmm. you know, going through your head, finding out how, what collect, uh, collecting the clues of how to, makes a lot of and sense. biomes, you know, natural history, it's life, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but then it's like, if you were in the mu like I, I literally, I lost them in the museum line that uh-huh. I, that's like just burning in my head. I don't know. Yes. I, we may have reached, <laughs> The first dream that is beyond my powers of psychic uh-huh. reading. I cannot. I, I feel a dark aura when I approach this dream in my mind. Uh-huh. Like to to when I look at it at the table, unroll it to read it. Uh-huh. It's just it's it's moving around the letters. I can't. I yeah, don't know what really, it is because it's so crazy. Because to me, like the dream that I had was not like too like obviously yeah. like I was stressed in it. Yeah. Um. But it, I don't really remember it as like a nightmare. But what Jill describes is like a is nightmare, nightmarish. Uh, yeah. And the fact that that like creepy, weird situation she set up, especially like I really the drunkenness too. It's not yeah. just mentioning a museum. It's, it's like all we of were it. both telling these stories at the same time. Yeah, like that would be like okay, maybe like we're like 
forcing each other to remember things. But like I had told, I had told this story to Ellis before I talked to Jill about it. Yeah. So like I had gotten the story out and I had like my solidified version of it. So if we were to put into a timeline, you and Ellis go to a museum uh-huh. and then things get hap- things happen. Maybe a party starts. Uh-huh. Ellis gets lost or something. You get lost and then you get blackout drunk scared. Oh, you know, I didn't even think about the like, fact that. Yeah, it's like kind of I could out be of waking up from Jill's dream. That. That that if we fuck fucking terror. That's so scary. And uh-huh. the dream carries over into your. Yeah. Because in my bin? mind, it was just like, oh, it's crazy that there's so many similar elements. But there could very literally be one dream, one timeline shared amongst. I'm gonna say three people. Ben must have had a dream and forgot. Like I, that's the. I'm not. I'm not joking. It's the, uh-huh. the only explanation I'm willing to accept. I'll allow that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, that's I'll ask really him next crazy. time I get the chance. I'll interrogate him and be like, "Have you had any dreams about parties or sky parties, islands, museum, sky or- falling, like?" Any possible thing, stress even, like any stress, because uh-huh. he would have been stressed, or maybe hijinks, any feeling mm. like that. That's just, I I, I really feel like we need to consult like a higher power. Like power. <laughs> we need to talk, <laughs> to we need God. to get right with God yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I, I really feel like I am the mini boss in this video game. You've come to me for answers, and I'm like, you have to go to the top. Because uh-huh. I am no longer able to help you out, young Padawan. Uh-huh. I always, That's like, crazy. Because theoretically, I want to like look into like what a shared dreams mean. Yeah. Especially like Jill and I have weirdly like we've yeah. always felt very like sibling ish, just yeah. like very naturally, even from when we first met. And we've had like other like sort of linked experiences in like a haunted forest one time. Like I know yeah, that sounds yeah, ridiculous. Oh. No. Clayton, but there was a time. The fact that you mentioned that, yeah. Oh my! I literally, I, I don't know why I want to cry right now. Uh huh. This is. I feel like something is. I'm literally tearing up. Why am I tearing? <laughs> Wait, what? Is, uh-huh. What's happening right now? I, I might my my skull is tingling. Uh huh. This is <laughs> this is crazy, guys. We watched Tiptoes this week. <laughs> And um, we're fully twenty-two this, minutes. Into this is this the podcast. this is the tiptoes episode. Uh, hey, which what, honestly feel after what tiptoes com- was completely fits. There was a scene near the end of tiptoes. Oh my god! Where a woman put on rock music, and the beginning of the album was like this wailing guitar. And Max look and I looked at each other at the yeah. beginning. Because both of us thought that aliens had entered the film and were about to abduct somebody. Yes, we had 20 minutes left of the movie and it was pulling an AI artificial intelligence on us uh-huh. and bringing aliens into it. But I'm not surprised when you said it was Jill, you and Jill sharing. Yeah. That kind of it does not surprise me at all. Um, Truly well, at all. Quick version of this for anybody interested in the illusion that I made there. Uh, Jill and I once were in a haunted forest. Max and Aspen were there. They kind of got chickened out. Yeah, we, we we left. Yeah, because uh, the feel the forest did we, feel very we, weird. We were kind of high at that point, a little bit maybe. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Jill and I started going up this hill. It goes up. We were up, following up, up, up. this trail. It was really dark. Midnight. We were walking, and the both of us we were, and we have this on video, so like you can hear all this. Uh, we were both just like, oh, we feel very like calm and welcome here. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then on the video, you can see we started going up and then both of us stop like walking at the exact same time. Uh, and I don't even remember who spoke first, but we were both just like, we cannot go any further. Yeah. Um, and then like, as we were leaving, we just felt like this looming presence behind us. Oh yeah. Um, it was very weird that, and we had just been on, um, the most famous, uh, <laughs> ghost tour in Arkansas. Um, <laughs> And uh, maybe that skewed some of our feelings, but yeah. maybe it informed them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me at all that Jill was the one that was more in touch. I And I'm also not surprised that Ben was also there. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I am surprised I wasn't there. I'm sorry. I'm not surprised I was not there because I'm kind of dream proof. Yeah. That's, you're like the Doctor Strange of dreams. Though I will right. say, I feel like it's possible that other people were involved, but I think I just had very specific memories because it was Ben who I was hanging out with and Jill that went into the museum with me. Okay. Um, okay. Which who knows? Maybe that means something. Maybe that means something. Uh, maybe the real Ben died when we jumped off the island. And mm-hmm. there's, a, oh. there's a day walker in his body. Guys, we watched. That is so scary. <laughs> there's a splinter in my toe. Oh no, baby got a splinter. Baby got a splinter in my tarn. Um, to kind of set the tone for the tiptoe discussion and like kind <laughs> of cleanse our palate. Yeah, I'm going to read in full. I think the production section of the Wikipedia. It's three paragraphs. I'm so excited. Um, Matthew Bright. Well, first I'll just give a brief summary. In this movie, uh-huh. uh, Matthew McConaughey, uh, who is Matthew McConaughey in the movie, yeah. Uh, well, now he's play- he's not playing himself, but he is he has his own body. We'll say, um, right? He, yeah, there's no alterations made to his body. He's playing um, himself. He comes from a family of little people, including his brother, who's played by Gary Oldman. Matthew McConaughey, his twin brother. Yes, his twin brother. Uh, Matthew McConaughey gets his fiance pregnant. Uh, and is overwhelmed with the idea that it may be a little person. He's freaking out. He has a lot of kind of like hateful biases mm-hmm. inside himself. Despite his whole family being uh-huh. very well adjusted. And, and he's yeah. mentioned in the movie that they were not bullied at all. Like nobody yeah. made fun of him or his brother or his family at when all. he was younger. Yeah. So it's like, it seems like you're just a prick. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But we'll certainly get into that. Uh-huh. Um, the fiance doesn't know. Uh, and then she finds out, then uh, antics ensue, drama ensues. Yes. So, and so. Um, so, production section of Wikipedia. Cool. Matthew Bright conceived the film while he was wor- when he was 18 as a raucous comedy about little people fucking each other. Um, 30 <sighs> years after the screenplay was written, Bright's stepfather gave a copy of the script to Cops creator John Langley who was interested in producing Tiptoes. I believe meaning that Matthew Bright wrote the movie when he was 18. Jesus Christ. Gary Oldman's portrayal of a dwarf was achieved through Oldman walking on his knees. Yes. And various prosthetics designed to hide his actual legs as well as a double. Kate Beckinsale agreed that this is what the rest of the thing was about almost. Kate Beckinsale agreed to star in the film for scale, it says, for scale, for s- as opposed to her uh, co-star, Oh, I believe. Um, maybe it is. She agreed to star in the film for scale if she would be allowed to wear her lucky hat 
during filming. <laughs> and Bright agreed. On her first huh? day of filming, the producers demanded that Bright tell her to remove the hat. And Bright refused, as this was the only reason she was in the film for a low salary. Arguments between Bright and producers persisted during filming. After turning in his director's cut, Bright was fired from the film. The film was re-edited without Bright's involvement. Bright attempted to have his name removed from the film, but while he was, alle- while he was allowed to remove his screenwriting credit, credit, replacing it as alias Bill Weiner, he could not remove his directing credit as he was not a member of the Directors Guild. And then real quick, just to kind of cap off that, this is what made me, while we were watching the movie, I read some trivia and gasped aloud. Yeah, gasped aloud. And and he gasped aloud, locked his phone, and put it down on the couch. uh, This is the only piece of trivia. Well, there are three. There are two pieces of trivia. This is the only one that matters. Director Matthew Bright was fired after he turned in his cut, and the whole film was re-edited. Peter Dinklage has said the original director's cut, which screened in Austin, Texas, was gorgeous, but the people who fired Bright ruined the movie. <laughs> Which is insane to think to me. So that is so interesting because the pacing on this movie is abysmal. Uh-huh. So I even I literally wrote down in my notes, it seems like there's like 30 minutes of this movie missing. It seems like there's like multiple movies placed together here. Uh-huh. I have a guess about what what you're saying, like where that mm-hmm. comes from with the knowledge that we just got from that trivia. Yeah. Um, I am guessing that because the, the lead of this movie to me is clearly Matthew McConaughey. I think that that was not originally the case. I think mm. he was always supposed to be a side character and a some bit of an asshole, but, uh, the producers did not want Gary Oldman as a little person to be the lead. I, I almost said a little person to be the lead. Yeah. But it's but Gary, Gary Oldman. Right. Um, but I think the producers wanted a traditional. Right. Because like the whole vibe and like the trailers for this are like, yeah, this is a rom-com. Right. Um, and so they wanted Matthew McConaughey what it is. to be the main character. That's why a lot of the scenes with like Matthew McConaughey, and like the the fiance are like long, like we like long long scenes, yes, with like a ton drawn of out dialogue that feels like it doesn't need to be there. That's a great fucking point. They probably did do that as like a, so he could serve as like a self insert for the audience. Uh huh. Yeah. Because as soon as the baby is born, it seems like out of nowhere Matthew McConaughey becomes a piece of shit and a featured character and is basically basically leaves the movie yeah because then kind of the best part of the movie is the end when it's just Kate Beckinsale and awkwardly enough Gary Oldman uh-huh. just talking about their feelings and it's uh-huh. like really raw and honest it's yeah. all very framed very weirdly but that part seems to be that part, along with the ending of them ending up together, spoiler alert, uh-huh. um, makes a lot of sense. That honestly makes so much sense if Gary Oldman is supposed to be the main character. Yeah. Um, because that honestly makes sense. Because he, if he were to be our main character, that is why in this version, it seems like he has no um, defining characteristics 
while Matthew McConaughey kind of has a job and the fiance and stuff, but like if Gary Oldman was our protagonist, he could just be our protagonist and wouldn't need things like uh-huh. to necessarily drive him. But in this version, we were thinking like, what's his job? Who is he? What is he doing here? Like, wait, they're related. What? 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 So it feels like all of those parts that were him being protagonist were cut out. Uh-huh. And just to leave him this weird, confusing edit at the first half, and then the second half, he becomes like a main character. It's, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it really does – it feels like we – it feels like his character never really gets, like, properly established. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, yeah. It's just like – I know that he's, like, a gentle guy generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of what we know about him comes from Matthew McConaughey talking about him and, like, what he was like as yeah. a child, which is bizarre. Um. um and maybe that's also kind of why it seemed like they were trying to give Matthew McConaughey an arc, and then they uh-huh. succeeded in that until the baby is born, and then he's an asshole again. But uh-huh. if he was a side character, they wouldn't necessarily need to give him yeah. such a defined arc. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think they, like, picked in the edits, they picked and choose moments yeah. to make it seem like he's undergoing the emotional arc, which almost makes it seem like a twist when it's like, yeah. Yeah. The baby's born, and... And the, she's like, oh, I love my baby. And the doctor's like, yeah, he's going to need to take some hormones. Is that Matthew okay? McConaughey goes insane and punches a hole in the wall. <laughs> I was just like, what? Yeah, no, literally, like, we see we see them get married. And Matthew McConaughey verbally says, you know, it's okay. I'm okay with all this. Da, 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 da. Uh-huh. He's okay with it. And uh-huh. they get married. They smile. Fade to black. And she's pregnant already. Like, he, he's aware. Right. Everyone's aware. The chances are it's going to happen. With the way the movie's uh-huh. building up, it's probably going to happen. Then, <laughs> fade to black, fade from black into the hospital room. She just gave birth. And then the first thing we hear him say is he punching a hole in the wall. And he's like, how are you two so calm? And he's freaking out. Uh-huh. She's crying. Everyone's mad. R- insane tone shift. The third act has... I think five fade to black transitions, which uh-huh. is not a thing in the whole rest of the movie. That uh-huh. is not which, until again, that point. Clear indicator that they are like stitching together the corpse of a mangled movie. <laughs> Literally. But honestly, if Peter Dinklage says the original cut was gorgeous, I could see a version where it is gorgeous. Uh-huh. Even though I don't think it would ever at any point be normal for me to watch Gary Oldman play a little person. It was yeah. just very bizarre and unsettling and seemed just very offensive uh-huh. in every turn. Yes. And there were parts where there was like slapstick going on uh-huh. and just really bizarre. And there's yeah. so many moments that feel just so insane where it's like, yeah, what was, there's one moment early on where Matthew McConaughey doesn't come home for two days. This part, <laughs> let's just describe that really quick. Uh-huh. So he's at where we see him. We're only do do the important parts. There's a lot uh-huh. of there's a lot of things happening around the scene, but the things we see Matthew McConaughey doing, he's at work in the day. His wife, who or no, sorry, his fiance, who he lives with, uh-huh. <laughs> calls him, and it's nighttime, and they're just talking, and it's really dramatic. And then she's like, okay, let's go to the party tomorrow night. And he's like, okay, let's go to the party tomorrow night. Uh-huh. And then, But then they're really mad at each other. And, they, and again, yeah. he's standing in a field in, in the dark. black. In the same field we saw him. And then a woman comes him. up. A woman, the silhouette of a woman comes up. Uh-huh. 
who can only be his coworker from early, like who we saw once moment earlier. We saw yeah, once. his and hot he says, coworker. Do you want to go to a party tomorrow night? And so we're still like, okay, tonight is tonight. The scene is tonight. And then tomorrow there's a party. Uh-huh. So the next scene is probably going to be Matthew McConaughey going home where he lives because it's nighttime. Uh-huh. And then the cuts right to the party uh-huh. where he and Kate Beckinsale, his fiance, seem to have just seen each other for the first time since that phone call, <laughs> which was 24 hours ago. Uh-huh. He lives there. He was just standing in a field and also was the woman at the party she was remember because okay, then she's okay. like oh is oh, that right. is that so and so then she shoves him and then we never see her again uh-huh. maybe she was supposed to be some kind of like tertiary rival to the fiance i don't really know maybe yeah i, uh, I don't know uh, also at this continuing yeah. just like touching on the plot points that seemed insane <laughs> god Oh my god. <laughs> Jill gave you dream um, flu. Yeah. Um uh later on at the party, Gary Oldman has like his his ex-girlfriend who has been living with oh, somebody. That's right. yeah. Um I liked her. And yeah, she was interesting and he he <laughs> walks into a room and he finds her fucking somebody and you're like, oh, classic party shenanigans. Mm-hmm. What if I told you that this room was made of windows <laughs> connected to the, you walk, this is, he walked into it from outside. Yeah. So I think she was fucking somebody in the front entrance. And also there are people inside that room. room with her. But it wasn't until they turned the lights on. By the way, there's patio lights directly on the other side of this window. So it's, there's not like it's not like it's pitch black dark in this room. Uh-huh. But he flips the light on, makes a small difference, and then suddenly everyone's like, <gasps> they all turn. Uh-huh. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's no way that any director could have done that. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Fuck. So, because then we never see her again. I don't think that 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 character. So maybe in the original cut, he was hung up on her uh-huh. as he starts to become friends with the fiance of his brother. Then, uh-huh. when he realizes that that girl will never love him, the the ex girlfriend or whatever, then he begins to fully fall in love with our fiance. Um, because again it just feels so weird it's like wait why does he have this weird subplot with this girl like it's all just so fucked up that makes honestly perfect sense that yep. that it was edited um yeah I um, have some other notes it's all just insane and then another scene just kind of going down the line this is yeah. maybe the most insane one to me um and I think it makes sense that, hey, like, so, okay, so Matthew McConaughey, we're trying to make him our lead. We need, like, more scenes of him and Kate Beckinsale as a couple. Um, so there's, like, a scene. I don't, maybe I'm imagining this, but it surely, truly felt like it was a 10 minute scene. Yeah. Of them lying in bed talking. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff happening. He's talking about, like, how it was when they were younger. Um, and at one point, Kate Beckinsale asks him out of nowhere, um, have you ever been involved sexually with a little person? Which is like, okay. huh. yeah, interesting, interesting question. Planting the seed in our mind. Maybe. And he says, no, no, just kid stuff. And it's like, hold on. Record scratch. <laughs> like, <laughs> fully. What does that mean? Excuse me? <laughs> and then she's like, oh, he, he, what? Like, like what? It's like, what? <laughs> what? And it's like, okay. 
So he said just kid stuff, which is never a, a normal response to asking, have you had sex with this During person? pillow talk. The term um, kid stuff should not be said while two adults no. are naked. And his response to, oh, like what? Is, well, there's one time there was about 10 or 12 of us and we all just kind of like sat around each other and, and just used our hands to help each other out. And she was like, oh, you were in a circle jerk of dwarves. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what? Is, what the Why hell? Why is this in the movie? Yeah, like what? And then she's like, I would have loved to see that. Ha ha ha. Then they make out. Uh-huh. It's like, what? Why is... What, what, like, like, what is happening? And this whole scene plays out like a PSA. A lot of the movie kind of... A lot of the scenes that maybe I wonder in the original cut maybe were done with more grace because they have context, perhaps. Uh-huh. But a lot of the scenes, specifically... One of the few scenes we see the family in, the family which consists of all little people, played by actor, little people actors, um, they it kind of just serves to reassure the like taller people that it's okay to be a little person, you know, rather than necessarily uh-huh. give all of them their own lives and stuff. They kind of are just relegated to informing uh-huh. the audience through like like surrogate characters you know that of all, all this stuff which again like like you said like in the beginning i guess has its heart in the right place but it's just really bizarre and it doesn't feel natural and that scene before all the weird kid stuff part is just them talking about how it's okay to be like a little person and stuff and how but you know there's actually it's a lot of medical stuff too it hurts a lot and it's like it's just very unnatural uh-huh. writing yeah. Because um, yeah, Kate Beckinsale yeah. goes to a brunch with like four little people and is asking. A, basically, the whole concept is that she's trying to decide whether right. or not she's going to abort the child because it might be, it might have the same condition as the four people that she's sitting there with. Right. Which, like, I, like obviously, like, uh, I'm. We're. Hey, Critical Darlings stand staunchly. We love abortion here. Yeah. Um, but to to if the factor is like the genetic makeup of your child in like ways uh, that like these people all live happy lives, happy fulfilled lives, and well like, until sit there into and age. ask like to their face like, I should probably just scrap this one if it's gonna be like y'all, right? Right. Right. Um, like and that's for, for them to not up. even be mildly offended. Like, yeah, well, because again, this yeah. movie is written by a person, an eighteen-year-old tall man who uh, thought who it would be funny. Wrote the little people to say, like, no, that's a totally reasonable question. Yeah, um, it's just like it's, it's kind of messed up. Yeah. So, thirty years after it was written, is whenever the script is uh, maybe greenlit or something, approximately. So. Uh-huh. If the man's 48 in 2002, it's 30 years before 2002, 72. Uh-huh. He was 18 in the maybe 70s or something, give uh-huh. or take. Late 60s, mid 70s, who knows. Uh-huh. I just want to go ahead and say I don't think someone who's 18 years old is really writing a script in that era. And if he admits it was funny that he thought it was just little people fucking, it was uh-huh. so funny. Like, that is what... I don't know if... like. If he really wrote it in the best headspace, I'll just say that. Yeah. You know? So I wonder how much of it carries over into this movie. Because there's not a whole lot of that humor in it at all. Like, there, at no point, I feel like, is the movie explicitly making fun of them because they are little people. 
Uh-huh. So I wonder, is maybe the Peter Dinklage character some of the leftover stuff? Um, which, by the way, we will touch on the politics of this movie, which do make an appearance. Uh-huh. 2002, 2003. But, um, but yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how much of the original cut is, uh, like, script, like, writing-wise, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's really because like really it really doesn't, for the most part, feel like there is a comedy in here. Right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I guess let's get to... So, there's just, like, a lot of... Like, aside from having, like, a strong thesis, there's yeah. just, like, a lot of politics in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of mention of, like, the French in World War Two and, like, Marxism and, like, American <laughs> ideals and American flags. American flags. And it's, it's just, just like, really I guess it was weird. 2002. Yeah. So this is here. Um, but Gary Oldman first meets, like, his, his ex-girlfriend. He meets her up meets up with her at her place and her boyfriend is like somebody from the Middle East who like doesn't speak English yeah. very well. Yeah. He's, uh, and violent, he's like super violent and aggressive. And mean and um, doesn't have a job. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And then that's the only time we see him. Uh-huh. Uh, he mistreats the girlfriend. Yeah. And then and um, tries to beat the fuck out of. Yeah. Out of literally. Yeah. Pushes her to the ground. Yeah. yeah. It's really <laughs> bizarre. I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh huh. And then uh, many, mo- a lot, most houses have just an American flag, which I mean makes sense for the time. But it's just interesting how they kept it in, you know, like American yeah. flag there. Uh, Peter Dinklage is playing this French character, yeah. Um, and we would not have known it was a French character uh-huh. <laughs> if they didn't explicitly say he was French the be- first time he's introduced, <laughs> because it's not really clear until well into once he said a few words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he also yeah. get, has dreadlocks at, at one the point end. of the movie, which is unfortunate. Yeah, don't get us started on the D plot. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole other plot in here. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, but uh, he's fighting with the family of Rolf, um, and they are like mad at him. And they're like, you're just mad about the French. Or, no, you're French. America helped you during World War II. We saved your ass. And he's like, no, us... Like little people, like the term "little people" is demeaning. We need to get into the streets and start shooting people. Uh-huh. And they're like, Americans don't fight our way out of things. We're America. We don't do that. Uh-huh. And it's it's like, wait, is this like an ironic line? Because America does do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it was two thousand two, so I yeah. feel like it had to be just like America's awesome. And then everybody in the theater yes. clapped. And then he says he's a Marxist. So it's like, okay, this is a crazy yes, communist he's a person. Commie. Yeah, uh, crazy Max, French commie. We are. Bless you. Max, we're getting pretty close to time here. Really? Um, yes. Max, let's talk franchise potential. I, I hope go you first, would. Or shall I? Um, sure. I'll just say this real quick. Um, the fiancé... So in this movie, we're not really clear uh, if a romance is supposed to happen between the fiancé and Rolf until the very end. Uh-huh. Um, before the romance is set up adequately, she does kiss him on the mouth twice. Yes. She kisses her brother-in-law on the mouth two times. Yes. One time, the first time, at her own wedding. Uh-huh. In front of everybody. In front of the whole family. Yeah. And it's not even a, rom- a romantic thing in the scene. Anyway, uh-huh. I just thought that was really funny. It was very odd. It was very bizarre. Um, because it's, yeah, they're, yeah, whatever. G-Force opens up and then they go to, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. 
<laughs> hey, stay with me here. I'm here. They go to Kate Beckinsale, and they say, "Leave Matthew McConaughey." They shake him. They they shake her up and say, "Leave Matthew McConaughey." They and they buy Matthew McConaughey a Groupon, five for the price of three. Cognitive behavioral therapy. They take him there. They uh-huh. lock him in a cell. Uh-huh. Uh But Matthew McConaughey's no, let me out, let me out. Takes Darwin, rings his neck, snaps his neck, uh-huh. bites his head off. By the way, this is a rated R movie. Uh, yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it should be. It, it shouldn't be. be. It could easily not be. Uh-huh. Um, it maybe would have appealed to more people or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they say fuck like so many times. And yeah. Unnecessary amount. Um. Uh, so yeah, they kill Darwin, but he gets the therapy he needs, and he is a good father. Uh-huh. And that's it. Nice. Everyone is happy. There's no trauma. Uh huh. And that takes place in uh, Universe Eight Thousand and Eight Million or whatever. Yep. Period. What about you? What about you? So my sequel, Tiptoes Two. Um, Tip Twos. Um, nice. Terrible Twos. Two Terrible Toes. Two Toes, Toby. Period. My sequel takes place uh, a bit into the future. The okay. child has grown up a bit. Um, Kate Beckinsale and Gary Oldman are married. Uh, but the wedding bells are ringing again for Peter Dinklage and Patricia Arquette. All right. Um, they're Both have married. dreads. Um, they're, they're engaged. They're getting there. And... Uh, you know Peter Dinklage he's from France he doesn't have like a whole lot of family around and yeah he's like I think maybe it's time I uh, met your family um, and she's like and that's how he talks in this movie yeah. <laughs> um, and she's like um okay she's okay like putting her maybe. hair behind her she's nervous and he's like come on why why do you not want me to meet her um and uh she takes him to a cafe or no she's at her job as a police officer uh, what? She's, she's really changed over the years. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, she's out a of piece nowhere. Of shit now. Um, but her brother shows up to Peter Dinklage, where Peter Dinklage is, uh, similar to how Gary Oldman shows up in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he opens the door. Her brother, 15 feet tall. <laughs> Boom. He's giant. And he's short. Um, and this kind of like starts, he's like, oh. Comedy he work, he start, he's like kicking her. He's like yelling at her. Uh, he's really <laughs> mad. Um, and uh, it all kind of escalates uh, as the giants are coming, uh, and and they're they're coming. like, a, yeah, like an they're army. Coming. Like a yes, it is starting to like kind of escalate. Like there's a uh-huh. lot of tensions until eventually, like it basically gets said. Like once it's a we're war. at the wedding. This becomes war. War, yeah. And they're like, like Gary Oldman came back, so they're like, they're there, and they're like thinking about their kid because, like, obviously they have to be there. Yeah, they have to be at the wedding, but they're like, how do we stop that? We <sighs> there's one guy we need. Cut to <laughs> the Himalayas, <laughs> a temple. Oh. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> okay. Wearing a beaded necklace. He goes by goes by David now. Yes. He is meditating. Yeah. He has himself calm. He comes to mediate the war. Yes. Full circle. Um, and that's where this 
that's what that's that's and what happened. He says, "I'm he gonna need a, I'm gonna need a bigger slingshot." Um, just when it seems like all is one, uh, aliens show up and abduct him. Yeah, and, and they eat wait. Him. We didn't tell you about our cousins. Eh? The cousins are here. Uh, and it's really white people. <laughs> I was thinking that too. <laughs> They're just like really wide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Max. How many toes out of ten would you one give One out of ten. One toe. Or point yeah, five, I would, honestly. I would yeah. give this. And yeah, to be and low, to, low, 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 to really put the nail on the coffin, this is a pinky. Uh, yeah, pinky it. toe. A little fucked up pinky toe. No toenail. Really yeah, fucked up. Just real piece of shit. Um, I still have a splinter in my fucking toe. I'm going to have to spend oh, the whole no. night ex- excavating that. That's so sad. Yeah, it's okay. You could, you could just... Let Did you ever off. like go to the principal's or the nurse's office? And this feels wrong, but they would just be like, "Okay," and they would just get like a needle and dig it out of me. <laughs> this happened at the school I went. I, I really enjoyed the perspective <laughs> switch you had in the middle of that, where you were starting from you. <laughs> dig it out of me. Gets in, incredibly personal so fast. I, I realized. I realized how I do it. I was like, "This seems like it's probably a me thing." <laughs> but so that specifically didn't happen. But I believe you know, kids would go to the nurse and do that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, one time, this girl. <laughs> while we were waiting for the buses, she had her she had her umbrella, a little collapsible umbrella. Uh-huh. There was a button on the handle that kind of makes the umbrella shoot out, not open up, but just kind of extend, uh-huh. uh, still wrapped up. But it was like a little, like you point it, pew, and it would shoot out. And um, she pointed that at my, <laughs> she pointed that at my face. Oh my god! The... <laughs> uh-huh. It like pressed the button and it slammed into my face and my. <laughs> Oh and my, my nose started just like bleeding like yeah, everywhere. I bet. And I started like bawling, like crying. Uh-huh. Uh, this was third grade. Um, and uh, it like was like, bam! Like it like snapped. I, I could have sworn it was like like uh-huh. broken. It wasn't broken, but it was so funny. Like it fucking hurt. I remember her face too. I remember like the moment she realized <laughs> that it. I, I, I don't know what I must have looked like, but then I went to, to the nurse for that. Uh, yeah, I just realized, Max, real quick before we wrap this up, because obviously yeah. we have one last segment. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap this up, there is a segment that we forgot to do. Which oh, is Max. Yeah. What did you enjoy this week? What did I enjoy? Yes. Um. <sighs> I haven't been consuming much. You go, no. and I'm gonna look real quick. You go. Okay. Um. So this is going to sound. Stupid. This is gonna sound a little bit. Okay. Um, so this is a video of you've seen. This is gonna sound like I'm describing another video, uh-huh. but I'm not. You've seen, of course, the video of the fisherman from Japan who's like screaming. And he's like, "You believe in your dreams, whatever you think." You <laughs> yes, yes, is, yes, yes, yes. So there's yes. another video of a fisherman saying some very encouraging words. Fuck but yeah. it is not that video, Aww. and it made me genuinely tear up. Oh, I want to hear it. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. No, uh, no. Okay, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I would have to. I have to change the key. I could do it, but I would have to change the key. I mean, I, I'm not ready for that. Um, um, I guess. Okay. 
Well, I'll say this. Sarah Zed, I like her a lot. She came out with a new video about geek culture, the rise and fall of yes, geek culture. I thought it was very insightful. Very, very, very good. Uh, yeah. That's like the only thing. I haven't watched anything. Um, I didn't see Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. Uh, how was that? That was actually what I was going to from my real oh, section. Yeah. Uh, my thing that I loved was not necessarily the movie, mm-hmm. but something that I loved in the movie, which I thought was whatever. Yeah. Um, they, uh, for a while, they've been letting more like kind of like stylized and more like wacky filmmakers make Marvel movies. Right. Um, Taika, all of them, like, like Sam. Ragnarok still feels like a Marvel movie. Uh-huh. Um, this felt like they really let Sam Raimi take the reins. Really? Cool. And it is, it truly feels like it was directed by a criminally insane person. Like (laughs) it is so weird and fucked up and messy. Fucked up in like, um, it's all pretty tone. Like people say like, um, yeah, that's not true, but it is like. We it is more than you would typically get away with in a Marvel movie, which cool. is something to yeah. be happy about, yeah. I think. Um, and so whatever ramification it has for the, uh, like, critiquable quality of Marvel movies, mm-hmm. I really think that they should let people take bigger swings like this. I'm really glad... Yeah. That we have a Marvel movie that some people hate and some people love, <laughs> yeah. and not just everybody is like it's tech, it's good, it's good or like lukewarm about. Yeah. yeah, that's honestly a good point because I mean that's the nature of literal comics. Like yeah. you let uh-huh. people take the reins, you know, more or less. Yeah, yeah, um, and it really did. This felt yeah. one the most like a comic book, and also yeah, it just felt like Sam Raimi got to do his shit. There's yeah. scenes in it. Because some people are like, this is a horror movie. It's not. But there are scenes in it where it's like, damn, they really let him do like a yeah. horror movie sequence here, which yeah. is cool. That's some scory shit. Yeah. Um, uh, God, I'm trying to think of anything. I guess I didn't watch anything this This is I was having a, like a week and a half, issue. too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we can extend it to... I'll also say, if not this week, there is this movie I watched with a good friend of mine. Shout out to Kevin. You listening? Kevin. No, you're not. You told me you don't listen to this. Damn. <sighs> but um, uh, uh, <laughs> it's uh, called Breakfast on Pluto. Uh-huh. And it is about this uh, trans woman who uh, runs away from home whenever she's 16 and just has this very eclectic, eccentric life in London and uh, grows up to be this independent, like uh, very, very soft spoken, but very uh, cool uh, trans woman. And I really, really liked it a lot. Um, I only saw the first bit of it and then missed some in the middle, but then saw the end of it. Uh, Ruth uh, Nega is in it. Um, Bless you. (laughs) Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. Um, she she's is very good. great. She, any, anything she's in, it, I just cannot stop staring at her. Um, and uh, also, God, someone else is in it. I would assume many more people. Old man. Old man actors. Listen them off. Ian McKellen. Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, kind of around an Ian McKellen-ish. Not as old as him, but around... Um, Jeremy yeah. Irons, um, getting closer, I think. Andy yeah. Circus, the other br- b- 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 Batman, but guy. 
Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. He's old. Yeah. Um, I just really loved it. And uh, someone named Cillian Murphy is the person who plays oh, yeah. the... Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Cillian Murphy. He's he's a famous dude. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He plays uh, the main character, Patrick Kitten nice. Braden. I believe they're a trans woman, but it's I think it's kind of more like never really defined as far as I remember. But, uh-huh. um, but I believe... Or no, maybe trans. Who knows? Anyway, uh, I liked it a lot. So I recommend that if you like that kind of shit. The end. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. What we do on this podcast, for those who don't know. In the know, shadows. Max and I ambush each other with horrible movies. Crazy movies. I did this me. one last week, and now Max is about to surprise me with what movie we're going to be watching next week. So, Clayton, one of our adamant fans... Uh, goes by the name of Joshua Gordon. If you're listening, Josh, shout out. If you're listening, Josh, give us a freaking review, why don't you? Huh? Oh, yeah. If you haven't, you really I, have I mean, to. we can see the names of the people who give reviews, you and really I ain't seen really none Josh Gordon, But I also haven't checked in a very long time. You got to do it. And if you're listening and you're not named Josh Gordon, give us a freaking review. But he DM'd me. If you like it, only. He DM'd me and he said, have you guys done this movie? Or you should do this movie. Are you okay. planning to do this movie? And okay. I was like, "I we have no plans to do it, but we should now. And he's uh-huh. like, I want to be on that episode. And I said, fucking done deal, baby. Uh-huh. And so this weekend, we're going to watch a certain movie with him. Okay. And he's going to be on the podcast. Oh, yeah. So this movie, Clayton, do you, you love accessories? I love accessories. You I love like cr- accessories. You like crime? I like crime. Accessories to crimes? Okay. You, are you more of a, so you love dogs. Sure. Are you more of a cat or a dog person? I like them both. I'm allergic to cats. I probably lean dogs. And you, I don't see you really ever wearing any headwear. God, I'm trying to. So you might. Accessory to crime, dog hat. So, but you might be allergic to this movie. It's a cat hat. The, uh, so no! so we will be watching, I believe, 2002, Cat in the Hat with oh, Joshua Gordon God. this weekend. I've never seen it. I feel like I'm not. Pre- I feel like I need to start getting ready. <laughs> but I know I've just seen photos of him with a baseball bat towards a child. And yeah. so like, accessory to a crime. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Have you seen uh, Austin Powers? Um, no, actually. Holds up from what I remember. Maybe it doesn't, but maybe cool. it does. I know I have seen this movie as a kid and hated it. Really? <laughs> Even as a kid. It's, uh, what's it called? There's a, I think it's called Kindercore or like Kinder, maybe it's Kindercore. Like this genre of kind of like bizarre, weird children's like surrealist movies like Grinch, Cat in the Hat, um, uh-huh. some kind of the new Willy Wonka, kind of like that. Um, yeah. I, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I am ready to watch it. I'm just fucking so ready. Yeah, this is exciting. So expect that, listeners, next week. Hell yeah. But for right now, I've been Maxim Foster. I've been Clayton Chelman. And as always, stay stay critical, critical, darlings. darlings. Period. Bye.